and welcome back to the Rockwood Academy. Today is an episode of Rockwood Live where we're taking a look at a tool to simplify your Kubernetes experience. That tool is called Kit. Now, of course, I am not smart enough to get us through learning all these new tools. We're going to reach out to people with all of the knowledge and I have the pleasure today of being joined by Brian and Justin, both engineers at Google who work and drive the Kept project forward. Hello, how is it going? Hello. <laughs> uh, all right. So thank you both for joining me today. And um, for anyone that's not uh, familiar with you, doesn't follow you on Twitter or LinkedIn, anything like that, can you both just say hello and tell us a little bit about yourselves? And uh, we'll just start with you in the middle there, Justin. Hi, I'm Justin Santa Barbara. I am a software engineer at uh, Google. Um, I've been working on the Kubernetes project more or less since the beginning, not quite as long as Brian, but uh, for like since at least before 1.0. And um, now work at Google on a team trying to help users uh, make more and better use of Kubernetes. Uh, and part of that is the project we're going to be looking at today. And uh, the team I work on is also responsible for customize and config sync and config connector and config controller. So a bunch of those sort of tools around Kubernetes and expanding it to, to new areas. All right. Thank you. Hi, I'm Brian Grant. I was part of the original team that created Kubernetes at Google as the API design lead and lead architect. I've uh, been working on configuration for Kubernetes for a long time. Keep control, apply, customize our um, tools I created and also kept as kind of the latest uh, iteration on that. Uh, a little bit of a twist on uh, customizes approach. All right, thank you both for sharing. Before we talk about what kept is then, maybe we can, just because you've both already mentioned a couple of other Kubernetes tools, like we're definitely in the Kubernetes ecosystem spoiled for choice. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but there are a lot of tools to help us deploy to Kubernetes. Why do you think that is? Why do we... <laughs> a spreadsheet of more than 100 tools. Um, yeah, and configuration is, uh, is a hard problem. Um, it's a user interface surface. So, you know, it really dominates how people experience uh, using Kubernetes and Therefore, a lot of preferences uh, become involved in how uh, configuration is actually authored and modified. Uh, you know, so people may start simple with just plain YAML. And at some point when that becomes too hard to maintain, they will switch to a different tool. Some people will uh, build their own tool. You know, you could just use imsubst or sed, for example, to replace some parts of the configuration. That's pretty easy. This is one reason why there are so many tools is because with the way the Kubernetes API is designed to be natively declarative, all you need to do is create a way to basically render the resource definitions for Kubernetes. And you can do that any way you want. And then you can just apply them and you're off to the races, right? So it's not nearly as hard to build a tool as it is, you know, for cloud configuration, for instance, where uh, a lot more uh, orchestration and API calls and trans transformation and 
those kinds of things are, are necessary. Uh, for the most part, just rendering the configuration, applying it, and let the controllers figure it out just works, uh, which is opens up a lot of different uh, possibilities for how that configuration is actually generated. Yeah, it feels like a lot of the the tooling that we have in this in this space is they're, they're all different versions of, of of templating tools because we have to be able to build up a lot of YAML when working with Kubernetes. And I think yeah, <laughs> over a hundred. I don't quite think it was as high as that, but I'm not that surprised that it's, there's that many tools. It just seems to be that you know every week, every other week on you know, Hacker News or something like that. There's always this new announcement, new open source project that's going to change the way that we deploy to Kubernetes. It's going to simplify something, which is already kind of simple. You know, it's still templating, but for some reason, we're deploying more and more things to Kubernetes. Things are getting harder. So I'm really curious to see and hoping that when we take a look at Kept, we can see something that's a bit different because from my naive perspective here and what I've seen on the documentation and what you talk about on Twitter and what I've seen on the GitHub is that Kept is different to these other tools that we have, but or at least we've seen in this ecosystem. So maybe now we could talk about what Kept is and why it's different from these other tools. Yeah, I can talk. So the other tools I consider uh, what I call generators. They generate configuration, like you said, right? So templates is one category, or configuration languages like HCL or Q or DAL or you know JSONit or something like that. Uh, or general purpose languages like Pulumi or CDK8S. But you know, in all of those cases, you basically write the entire configuration in code or code-like format or template format uh, and generate the entire thing. Now, Customize took a different approach. It took a transformation-based approach where it took some configuration as input and transformed it in various ways through uh, built-in transformers like to add labels or to add annotations. Uh, or to patch the, the resources, the so-called overlay approach. Now, since then, a number of tools have added support for overrides because overrides are effectively you know, one of the most common patterns that people need to do on top of uh, a base configuration or off-the-shelf configuration. Um, and that way, you don't have to template the entire thing for every possible thing someone might want to actually change. Instead, you can just override it, so-called last mile configuration. Uh, so other tools support that now too, but typically they do generation first and then transformation or override in some way. So KEPS approach is different in that it completely decouples how the configuration is authored from the transformations. So since Kubernetes is natively declarative, we're leveraging that by saying, look, you can generate the configuration however you want. You can write it by hand using your favorite editor or IDE, or you can generate it with a tool, or you can generate it with the UI. It doesn't, shouldn't actually matter. And then we can take that and transform it in various ways, not just on the fly when we're deploying it, but in advance. So I think a lot of the toil and, and manual effort around configuration management uh, is overlooked. We're kind of desensitized to it. We expect to have to check out files from Git, edit them, commit, tag, push, do a code review, et cetera, before we can deploy anything. And GitOps makes that last deploy step more reliable and, and easier. 
but it's really just that last step that it's automating. And all that process before that point, it's still a lot of work. And with Customize, you know, Customize can simplify the base configurations, but the rest of the process is still basically the same. Uh, it's not any less work to, you know, ch check out the files from Git, edit them, commit, uh, push tag, review, uh, render, et cetera. So what we're doing with Kept is extending the set of automation that we can apply to that uh, whole space uh, to really cover the full life cycle of the configuration. And that, what we're doing is we're extracting the configuration from storage, transforming it, and writing it back. And I think the best way to really understand this is to actually go through the process and show it uh, is what we found. So, uh, so I'm actually looking forward to do that to see what you think about it, uh, because it's in some in some ways very familiar to things people are used to, uh, and in other ways radically different. <laughs> uh, so different people have uh, different impressions about uh, what's actually going on and what the tool can do and how it can change how we manage configuration. All right, yeah, I, I just want to say, <laughs> can I uh, like I also re like we really want to hear what you think of it because. I mean, I think you yeah. said something very interesting, which is uh, you said um, like there comes a point where you like uh, where the complexity of YAML editing gets, becomes too much and you have to switch to generation or templating or whatever it might be. And I think what we're saying here is we are producing something that lets you take an alternate path. So we can avoid all those like hundreds of different templating solutions. Here's an alternate path. Hopefully you don't hit that decision point where you're like, oh, I have to like abandon pure YAML. Let's let's make the Kubernetes objects centric to this and give you what is going to be a delightful experience. And your feedback as to how delightful it is right now is going to be very interesting. <laughs> uh, but uh, hopefully you'll you'll see what we're what we're trying to do, even if it's even if it could be more delightful in future. All right, awesome. And we're we're going to get to the hands-on component in just a moment. But I, I want to. I always like to try and take what people have told me and see if I can set it back in a way that still kind of makes sense. And we kind of covered a lot there. And uh, as complete transparency, I have never used Kept before. I don't know what we're going to see today. So I'm, I'm coming into this with an open mind and looking to be excited. But what you said was, as you use whatever tools you want to write your Kubernetes channel. Like Kept is not trying to hook in at that point or replace that point. That's correct, right? It is. We, we are going to go through uh a process where kept is providing a tool to author the yaml oh, right, okay. but it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be the only way um the point of the what we're going to show with in, through the backstage ui plugin uh is one possible way that it, you can author not just configuration but actually configuration blueprints uh, because that's a capability that's not really possible with any of these hundred other tools Okay. You also said that kept will pull from storage, do transformations, and then write back. I'm curious, does kept apply to our cluster or is it writing back to storage? And is that storage, could that be Git or are we talking about uh, OCI artifacts or something else there? Like, can you maybe elaborate on that? A little uh, bit? So, both, both actually. So, what we have um, in the tutorial right now writes to Git. Uh, we also have uh, OCI storage underway. 
uh, being implemented. Um, kept is multiple components. So one of those components is a GitOps engine, a GitOps controller okay. that can deploy for you, but you can use Argo CD, Flux, whatever your favorite way of deploying to Kubernetes is. Okay. Uh, and the last question before we dive into the thing, you mentioned backstage, which I think is the UI component, their homepage that we're going to take a look at, take a look at like the first paragraph, it talks about WYSIWYG. So is this something that you think is the way we should be offering manifest? Do you think like we should be making this simpler and providing UIs and abstractions to make this easier? Or is that just I like do. a fun experiment? Like what are your thoughts around that? I mean, it is a proof of concept, but I actually do think uh, UI is a way to simplify configuring Kubernetes for a much broader audience of folks. It doesn't just have to be, you know, people who do hard code, code hardcore code development necessarily. Um, the, you know, I, I heard at the GitOpsCon North America last year, you know, even folks using Argo CD who are pretty familiar with it were say, saying, look, we would really like to have uh, a UI on, I mean, Argo CD has a UI, but really for deployments, if you configure an application uh, through Argo CD, it doesn't write that back to Git. It just, you know, is a lot resource in your cluster, right? So how do you actually take that experience and enable writing that back to Git? Um, the, most automation tools, UIs, command line tools, et cetera, they operate against uh, APIs, right? That's how, the, that's how the tools work. And there's a long history of uh, kind of a rich ecosystem of different kinds of tools that can operate against APIs. When we say, no, you can't actually call those APIs, you have to write code, templates, text files, check them in to get, go through all these manual processes to then finally deploy them. What we've walled off those APIs from automation of all different kinds. And, you know, that's considered if you have say a security remediation function that says, you know, you can't have any pods that run as privileged, for example. You can do that on the fly using an image controller in Kubernetes to make that change. But what if you don't want any of your con configuration, your applications in the source of truth to be configured to use privileged pods? How do you check that? Like, what if you do have a Helm chart, say, that tries to deploy an application uh, that, you know, has privilege or something like that. How do you actually go find that and fix that? That's actually really challenging. So what we're, what kept can do is it can actually make the configuration mo modifiable and readable again through APIs. You know, it basically can provide a control plane and a data plane for ma manipulating configuration. Um, so that, you know, in terms of the UI, the, uh, UX, there are lots of UX techniques for mitigating domain complexity and simplifying things. And we're just, you know, at the early stages right now, I definitely can be made more delightful in the future, as Justin said. Um, but, uh, I think we've only really just scratched the surface of what we can do 
with that kind of an approach um, where we can simplify but not abstract. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I am ready to be delighted. Um, the reason I brought up the UI there is, you know, I, it's really easy for developers to say, oh, I just spend all my entire life in the terminal and I just type, you know, white text on a black background or green text on a black background. But I think there's been a shift lately. And you mentioned the Argo CD UI and Flux is building a UI too. There's that when we're working with these complicated systems, a UI is actually a really strong value add because it's nice to be able to step away from the YAML for just even a minute. So I, and I, I yeah. love that also we're seeing, you know, Lens and all these other, I can't remember the name of the other GUIs. I feel really bad. They're all awesome. Um, but we're seeing a lot of GUIs pop up for Kubernetes as well, where you don't even need to run kube control commands anymore. Like you just get this wonderful interface that says, here's all the pods, here's the ones that are failing, here's all the logs. Like, yeah, this simplification that the UI can bring, I think is a really exciting time. So I'm-, I'm Yeah, a, a UI can provide uh, discovery for people who are new. You know, it can take concerns away from you. Like you don't have to think about how to format the YAML uh, how, how many spaces you need to indent certain fields, things like that. Um, yep. It can help you navigate across related resources or uh, auto-complete when filling things out. Uh, it can give you step-by-step -step guidance and walk you through the process. So there are really a lot of ways that a UI can help. And you know, just because the tool is used by developers doesn't mean that you know, there aren't cases where people could use that help. Like if you're using a, a configuration generation tool, whether it's you know CDKS or Helm or whatnot, um, you know you can edit a few parameters maybe in the ideal case and run the tool to generate the configuration. That part is often straightforward. But how do you actually create the template in the first place? That is still all manual. It's still all done from scratch, and you have problems, not just with, you know, how to indent the YAML, but how to actually cause the YAML to get generated in the right way, such that it will be valid and so on. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm hoping that uh, it, the experience will be uh, a little bit of a, a shift in, in how we can think about, you know, what's possible in this space. All right. I guess you two have been working just while this deploys working on Kubernetes long enough. Who, which one of you wants to take responsibility for it being kube control get deployments and not kube control deployments get? Like, was it was there a bit of a fight over that at the time, or are you, or was that just an easy decision? It was pretty easy. I mean, we <laughs> did start with we did start with the other approach because uh, the G Cloud command line tool uses that pattern, for example, um, when, when we were, you know, initially the, we had a tool called cloud config, and then that was changed to cube config. And then when we we're hitting, you know, problems with the design of that initial tool, uh, and redoing it, actually Sam Goads from box at the time, uh, stepped in to help us develop cube control. And, uh, you know, we compared the two different approaches. And one big advantage of kube control git pods, or actually, you know, kube control apply, for example, for instance, is uh, you can actually 
uh, apply these commands to multiple different resources and multiple different resource types more easily if the verb is first, right? So like keep control apply that we just did there, um, you know, operates on arbitrary resource types. And that's something that we wanted to enable is these bulk operations. So the verb first felt more natural and reinforced the common patterns across different resource types. Uh, one reason for the other approach is so people can use more easily create unique commands for each different type of entity. And we actually didn't want that. We wanted the system to be uniform across all different resources. And now we, you know, have that uh, even uh, more generally with custom resource definitions, but uh, even with the initial set, of, uh, we just had four types originally. Even with those original four types, you know, we pretty much wanted the operations to work the same. Okay, for the next hour, we got hands-on with Cat. If you want to follow along with the live demo portion of today's session, visit rockcode.live slash kpt. All right, I'm going to pop us back over to our big facey mode. There we go. So that was really cool. Um, I really like a lot of what I'm seeing here. I'm curious, like, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about Helm, right? But I, I don't find it personally an enjoyable experience for consuming third-party software and applications. Like, install in MariaDB and Postgres, MongoDB, all these other tools. And I'm sitting here going, why don't we have blueprints for all of this and consume them through kept like this model of being able to have the base that the experts produce and then me tailoring it to the way that I need through defining pipelines of functions in a kept file. And we don't do it today, but I'm assuming I really easily write and publish my own function to make any random changes that weren't already covered by the, the kept library. So it feels like we have a really good end to end flow for tweaking and tailoring base manifests for software and deploying it to our clusters that doesn't require Helm. Like, I'm not a fan of, of Go templates. I never remember the syntax. I always have to Google how to do loops and ranges and all these other things. Like, this just feels like a nicer approach. And I'd like to think and hope that we can get to a point where we have something better than Helm. And I think Ket is a pretty good and strong contender based on what I've seen. Like, now I'll throw that back at you. I mean, is that... Do you see a world, and is this why you're working on Kept? Like, do you feel it can replace Helm to a certain degree and provide us a better ecosystem for shipping third-party software? Uh, and then we can always pull it back and talk about first-party software. But I, right now, I see a big market for third-party, and I'm curious if you agree. I think first-party is uh, Kept is a lot more ready for. I think third-party is an obvious target because those templates tend to be more complex. You know, they basically use what I call a construct constructor pattern. They parameterize every possible attribute of the resources that they contain. Yeah. And kept enables a model where that's not necessary. Like, you know, just because somebody might want to change node selector or tolerations or some, you know, obscure field of the Kubernetes deployment API uh, doesn't mean it has to be in the base configuration. Uh, the way kept can scale across multiple packages is by creating logic that's reusable across all packages containing the same resource types. So for example, in the backstage UI, if we add uh, the deployment resource, the service resource, ingress gateway, you know, application-oriented resources, then we can use that to author 
uh, blueprints that contain those resources uh, pretty easily. And then, you know, we will need a complementary set of functions that perform common transformations to those resources. And once we have that in the catalog, then we can create this kind of low code experience where, you know, over time, people will have to write fewer and fewer functions from scratch uh, to do these things. You know, you can automatically uh, update images, for example, is a super common one. So we do actually have a function for that um, because it's something people commonly want to do in, in CI, CD, uh, for instance. Uh, and we can actually write that change uh, back to Git. Um, and there are some image updaters that can do that already for Flux and Argo CD. Mm -hmm. But we can change arbitrary fields in those resources with a similar level of automation. Yeah, this is a common frustration I see. I mean, especially talking to people that are adopting GitOps, you know, is that Ingress is a great, a great example in, in horizontal pod autoscalers. These are things that need to be significantly tweaked from one environment to another. Like the domain name you use for your ingress is very different in staging than those from prod, I would hope. Uh, your HPA rules are not as aggressive in staging as they might be in prod. And yeah, right now it's a lot of value files and helms and templating to do that. But it actually, this feels nicer. This feels like something that also happens because here's the other way. If people aren't doing this through temp templating, they're doing it through mutating admissions. And the problem with mutating the mission is you don't know what's broken until you apply it to the cluster. <laughs> and that's yeah, it. here we can do pre-deployment validation, review and approval. Um, any of those types of uh, kind of change control processes that you want to apply before you deploy. And like I said, after deployment, you can also do uh, undo by reverting to a previous revision if you need to, but you can still get that uh, WYSIWYG experience if you want it, or you know, automate it as much as you want. So we barely start scratch the surface on this, but since we make all the packages available through an API, we can actually write automation to bulk update packages, for example. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I'm personally pretty excited about. Uh, you know, there's lots of work to do, but uh, also a lot of things that weren't possible before, where you'd have to manually you know, check out and update a hundred packages to, you know, go make some change across all of them. Like what if you want to change the API version of some objects in all your packages? That's just super painful right now, <laughs> uh, but we can actually, you know, just write uh, a simple script to do it with kept and just extract the package contents, make the change. You can even run set on it and, and write it back. And it takes care of all the Git mechanics for you. You mean I, I don't have to have four F conditions to check for the last 17 major versions of Kubernetes and inject then V1, V1, Alpha 1, or, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's too good to be true. But it's exciting. I really like what I'm seeing. And uh, I don't want to keep you too much more because this is roughly where we said we would end on time-wise. So I'll just say, is there anything else that you, you want to share with the audience before we finish? If you want to maybe give... Uh, 30 second or a minute overview on, on what's coming next. Like what are you working on? What are your priorities? Uh, and then we'll, we'll finish up for today. Well, we are working, you know, this example was a namespace uh, provisioning example. That's something I often see UIs used for. Most Kubernetes platforms have some kind of UI for, you know, creating namespaces or projects or workspaces or whatever they call them. Um, so I wanted to show that you could do that through a UI and also get all the same benefits of GitOps and 
kind of configuration as code, but without the code, really. I mean, there is code, it's in the functions, but hopefully, you know, someone else wrote those functions and you don't have to uh, for every single package you have. So, but we are focused on, you know, you mentioned Helm charts, definitely uh, the first thing people want to do with Kubernetes is deploy applications. So we're, we're working on making the application uh, configuration experience easier. That's, I'd say, the next big priority that we're working on. So adding those resources to the backstage UI, creating uh, a bigger portfolio of functions that people will commonly need, um, creating some examples so people can see you know, how to actually express blueprints and kept for applications. There are some tricky problems that we need to figure out. You know, it's a very novel approach. So, you know, not everything is, is figured out, but, um, you know, if you're interested in contributing, there's lots of interesting things to do. So, you know, definitely contributors are welcome. Yeah. Right. I just, I just want to, I just want to add like, this is early, sorry, I'm, like this is early and like we want the we is like all of us, like if you're interested in this space, like you, we don't intend to build this and sort of build it ourselves. Like we need to hear what problems you are experiencing when you try to use these things or why do you find Helm annoying and why do you find Helm great and what should we copy and what should we try to improve, you know, all these sorts of things. And so please join us on the KPT channel on the Kubernetes Slack and github.com slash Google container tools slash KPT. And we look forward to discussing this and, and hopefully building it with you. And is that true that anyone that contributes a PR gets a Google email address so they can use the UI? <laughs> That's up to Brian. We will go off and that. But, yeah. uh, but actually, you know, I am interested also in hearing, you know, whether this makes sense. How do you think about it? Because uh, it's, like I said, on one hand, it's familiar. It works, has the same kind of experience as imperative tools. Uh, imperative UIs, CLIs, uh, that kind of thing, except it is actually declarative uh, and automated under the hood. So uh, we're still kind of trying to figure out uh, the best way of explaining it. So the, uh, you know, to kind of communicate the power of what it can do, but Hopefully that will also just become more obvious over time as we build out the, the functionality to demonstrate the potential. Awesome. Well, I encourage people to start playing with it, jump into GitHub, start looking for issues, PRs, get involved. It's a, a really interesting, exciting early stage project. And I think those are the best ones because people can bring their knowledge, their expertise and share that with you and hopefully shape what is the, the future of some Kubernetes deployment. So very exciting time. Yeah, yeah, we definitely need that. You know, people who have all the paper cuts from doing it all the other 100 different ways. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, both of you. Um, it's been a really interesting look. And uh, thank you for driving a very ad hoc demo as well, Justin. I really appreciate you just kind of walking us through that as well. And, uh, thank I, you so much. This was fun. <laughs> I'll let you both get back to your day. Have a good one. Uh, I'll speak to you both soon. Anna, Thanks for having us on. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.